This is the Data Privacy Detective. It's April 2023, and today we're focused on what happened in March as winter turned to spring, at least in the Northern Hemisphere. And with me are Mike Natardi and Hugo Nagashima. Now, they're both attorneys with the coast-to-coast U.S. law firm Frost Brown Todd LLP, and both are leaders in the firm's data privacy and security team. Welcome, Mike. Uh, thank you for joining us. Great to be here, Joe. Thanks for having me. And Hugo, thanks for joining us once again. Thanks for inviting me again. Well, let's start with this one. A chatbot spat between chat GPT and Italy's Data Protection Authority, or when you hear it, a DPA, a Data Protection Authority. The Italian DPA issued a temporary block preventing Italian internet users from accessing chat GPT. Now, the chatbot's owner, OpenAI, which is supported by Microsoft, was then immediately forced to block internet users in Italy from using it. And OpenAI has 20 days to respond and propose a possible remedy. So we'll hear how this all gets resolved. Now, why did the DPA get involved in an AI machine and, and access to it? Well, it gave two principal reasons. Of course, a DPA in the European Union, which has the GDPR, which is considered probably the most pro-privacy, comprehensive personal privacy code in the world, here are the two reasons given by the DPA of Italy. Now, one is that the chat GPT does not verify that users are at least 13 years old. And this, of course, has to do with children's privacy. Well, that one seems easily fixed uh, to me anyway. The other is really much more interesting. The Italian DPA is saying that chat GPT collects and then uses personal information of millions of people without their consent or even knowing that it's happening. And so the challenge is that by collecting information like this throughout the internet and other ones, which, which of course the chatbot needs to train its AI system, that's the whole basis of AI, to uh, collect millions of bits of data and turn them into uh, wisdom. Uh, this is effectively misusing personal data without telling people that it's doing that and certainly without paying anybody for use of their information. That's quite a fundamental challenge, isn't it? Uh, if, take this podcast, for example, or, or something you post on Facebook or uh, TikTok, for that matter. Uh, can can chat GPT use that to write scripts for other podcasts? Uh, can, can it use uh, Facebook posts and Instagram and and things people share with one another in some public manner to train its AI without even telling anybody it's doing that? Well, the Italian DPA is really saying that's illegal under the GDPR, at least under the Italian view. Now, th this is a real fundamental issue that we're dealing with. And we'll see. We have to follow this story as it unfolds because it's a real challenge to the ability of AI generally to use personal information that in one way or another is out there on the web. Mike, uh, what do you think? Well, I, I think that uh, it is, uh, it's great to see a, a DPA, someone flex their muscles in this area. And uh, I think that uh, Hugo has some more to add on this, but but I think that it's great to see a DPA flex a muscle in, in this area um, because there are certain things that are required by the GDPR. And if we're going to have the law, we should try to follow it. That everybody should have to. And Hugo, let me mention that uh, Italy's uh, infrastructure uh, 
minister, uh, who is also the leader of the leading party in the uh, Italian uh, coalition that currently governs Italy, said this is a this is going way too far that the DPA, which you see has these EU responsibilities, has gone far beyond what even the Italian government wants to have happen. Do you see this as a as an example of how sometimes privacy regulation can stretch too far? What what do you think? Actually I don't. I, I do agree with Mike. I, I believe uh the GDPR should apply equally to all technologies, uh, regardless of whether it's an advertisement or uh helpful AI or, you know, a manufacturing process in which certain personal data is collected. And what the DPA is really doing is uh, checking off the basic checklist, uh, you know, what must be protected. So what they're really asking for is privacy by design, uh, which is a concept where when companies are creating certain software as a, uh, as a service systems, that they consider privacy in their structuring uh, and designing of their, their program services. Well, what happened here is we're seeing that, you know, two major issues, as you pointed out, right? There is no verification for minors, which there should be. And there's also no legal basis to collect certain personal data. In addition, there's also an allegation that the personal data is inaccurately being processed, which, you know, how do you collect it once it goes into an AI system where it's in a black box, right? So there's got to be a way to correct or make sure that the information is being collected for the right reason with consent or uh, the basis, that legal basis for collecting the information. And that needs to happen up front. So I do think the DPA has a point in banning or at least asking ChatGPT to respond to its inquiries. Right. They have a couple of weeks to do that now. And and they've already said they they don't want personal information. They're just trying to train their AI machine. That's all. One last story about this, and we'll go on to Iowa in just a second. Uh, I, I, I love her. And you've seen Elon Musk jump in with a group of uh, very prominent tech executives urge a six-month pause on AI training. I mean, you can see what's at stake here. And I love this story. Just before Italy's DPA issued its ruling, a user asked the chatbot if it would be banned in Italy because of privacy concerns. And here's <laughs> how the AI machine responded, quote, There should be no concerns. I am an artificial intelligence language model that can be accessed from anywhere in the world as long as there is an internet connection, close quote. Well, I guess we couldn't trust that chatbot prediction. And, you know, I've got to wonder also if it can plead the Fifth Amendment, but we'll come back to this. (laughs) But uh, let's go on to uh, Iowa. Now, Mike, how did Iowa, middle of the United States, we don't think about it a lot until the presidential primaries roll around, then it's a big deal. But how did Iowa make the data privacy news in March? Well, um, that that is a great question, Joe. And and in in March, Iowa became the sixth state in the United States to pass comprehensive personal privacy law. Um, And and hopefully this will come as some consolation to our friends in Iowa who had a heartbreaking loss yesterday uh, for the, the ladies' national championship in basketball, college basketball against LSU. But they do become the sixth state uh, to pass the, the comprehensive personal privacy law. And the interesting thing here is that it just shows uh, that the states that are that are passing this law seem to have a lot in common, at least four of, of, of the other five states seem to have a lot in common with California being perhaps an outlier and in, in a lot more regulations involved. But the, the text of the law itself seems to follow more of the Virginia, Colorado, Utah, Connecticut laws that have already been passed. 
And what generally, what what are the common features with Virginia and some of the? Well, here states? it's going to be the uh, the definition of personal data, um, which which really actually is quite broad and covers really all the states. That it covers any information that is linked or reasonably linkable to an identified or identifiable natural person. Um, and once again, it's not going to cover the identified data or aggregated data. The other area where it where it's uh, similar is in to uh, the businesses organizations that it's going to apply to. And that is to organizations doing business within the state that also target or control or process personal data of at least 100,000 consumers or control or process personal data of at least 25,000 customers and derive over 50% of their gross revenue from the sale of personal data. And so that's, that's, in, that's different than what we see in California, which, which does it more uh, generally from a, a gross revenue standpoint. Interesting. Interesting. Hugo, what do you make of this? What are, what are we learning? We have six states now out of 50. As Mike put it, uh, there is a trend. We're seeing a trend now with five states, including Iowa, uh, going in the direction of not being so strong. So not following a real strong GDPR approach to who the law applies, as in who the law is trying to... For example, if you have a company, right? If you're in California or the GDPR somehow applies to you, it's because you have either a gross revenue or you're in you're in one state, but you're going out to California, not California, either to California or you're going out to Europe to basically avail you yourself have to apply to uh, those laws right. if you have uh, that personal sort of data, volume. Right. Okay, yeah, right. While I think in the other four states, it's more of if you're in that state or you're processing a very large number of data, which again, uh, 100,000 may not be much for bigger companies, multinationals, but at least for small uh, small and mid-sized businesses, many companies don't have 100,000. This is a very important distinction between California, uh, I think in other states or even GDPR, because I think what the latest trend is, states are going to be more state-specific unless it's a data collecting company, a company that collects a lot of data, or alternatively, a data selling company where there's a sales of data, then the number shrinks down to 25,000. But nonetheless, I think- That that one's aimed at data brokers, I suppose. Right. Companies selling their data. That's right. I think there's a, uh, the latest trend that we will continue to see is that California will continue to say that individuals' privacy rights is the most important. While I believe the remaining states and some others may, may take a, a progressive states might take a different view, but we're seeing a trend that most states are saying, well, we want the big data companies, companies that process a lot of data to comply with the law. But with mid-sized, yeah. mid, mid-sized companies, unless you're in our state, you don't have to worry about it. It's, you don't have to it's worry the general about it so much. Mike, just right. so, to conclude on this one, I mean, is this becoming a red versus blue state? I mean, California, blue state, Iowa, red state, or, or is it something different? Yeah, I think it's 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 something different. I think that this is actually an issue that is um, that can can go across uh, party lines mm-hmm. here. Um, but as I'm recording here from Kentucky, uh, this actually you know, it's a Kentucky controlled legislature that had Kentucky Kentucky Republican introduce bill that didn't get through this last time, but actually passed the Senate that which is controlled by Republicans. Um, so I, I think that it's I think that it's becoming an issue that that all individuals are becoming interested in. I think that the devil is going to be in the details and how it actually passes through the houses, though, perhaps. 
Well, maybe privacy will become one of those bipartisan things. Let's uh, have some hope. Maybe we'll get a federal code someday. But let's go on to our third topic of the month. Let's talk TikTok. You go, uh, you know, the prior president uh, tried to force a sale of TikTok's U.S. operations to a U.S. Uh, buyer. And, and that failed after a federal judge ruled that uh, President Trump's order violated the First Amendment. What did President Biden do in March 2023? In March, and in fact, uh, just a week ago on March 27th, uh, President Biden issued an executive order that required U.S. government agencies, government to establish procedures to ensure that uh, U.S. government is not using commercial spyware. So TikTok is not in named in the order. But we do believe this would apply to TikTok. So no spyware. Who else would that be aimed at? Well, uh, right now, TikTok is the very obvious one. But there are other ones, I believe. I believe uh, there's programs such as Telegram that some people claim have spyware. And others that that are not so well known, but people use uh, from other countries that may be connected to uh, foreign governments or developed by a commercial company that foreign governments can basically obtain information due to data privacy laws of such countries. Well, as you read it, does the executive order prevent a U.S. company from having spyware in its uh, system? For the moment, it is uh, the federal government, but I believe it would apply to uh, U.S. Uh, you know, private sector, if you're working with the government, if, if you are a uh, government contractor, I'm, pr- I'm sure that the rule, uh, the rule will equally apply to government contractors as well. And I'm sure that this is only just the beginning. Again, this is an executive order. It's not a law. So what President Biden can do is limited to the executive branch, but we will continue to see growth of this type of regulations. So the order itself does not, for example, order TikTok to sell its U.S. operations or to get out of the United States. Is is, is this right? It just uh, that's right. only controls the federal government's use of TikTok. Is that the what's happened? That's right. So we're, we're saying TikTok, but commercial spyware. So it would be, you know, any U.S. government employees' phones or computers having such spyware. And, you know, an example is obviously you can't install TikTok on if you work for the U.S. government and it's a government issued phone. I think that's the basic idea of it. And there are good reasons for it. Uh, if I may, can I? Can yes, I please. Yeah. What are, the, what are the reasons? National security, I assume. But uh, you tell, you tell right. us. Please. National security. But it, it really goes to um, the civil rights and the protections of individuals in the country, in, in the United States. So, the concern is that commercial spyware is targeting and intimidating uh, perceived opponents of foreign governments, curving dissent of foreign governments, limiting the freedom of expression and peaceful assembly and association of foreign governments. And also by eliminating commercial spyware, the executive order believes that it, it can enable other human, uh, it can stop other human rights abuses. And we also see that and this is, you know, again, we've seen it with uh, certain spywares. It, it tracks and targets U.S. persons uh, without proper legal authorization, safeguards, or oversight. I mean, the last point is in general, you know, as we talked, even, even with ChatGPT, which is a U.S. program, sometimes it's doing it without legal authorization. So that's a general point. But I think the common theme here, as you can tell, is it's targeting certain governments <laughs> that are taking certain action by limiting that spyware. Uh, the goal here is this is to be able to not have this intimidation or data collection on uh, important U.S. individuals or the government that could be possibly used by a foreign government. 
So you're saying really this has been misunderstood by some of the media. For example, we're recording this on April the 3rd, and and, and this morning, a New York Times columnist, uh, Farhad Maju, wrote that this is just just singling out the Chinese. This would be like saying that uh, seatbelts are a good idea, and if they're Chinese-made, they have to have seatbelts. But everybody else, uh, you don't need a seatbelt, and how ridiculous that would be, of course. And you're saying that's really not what the executive order says. No. Uh, that's not what the executive order says. Uh, executive order does not uh, call out China. Uh, it could be any foreign government. And there are other foreign governments that and I'm sure is, you know, targeting and intimidating perceived opponents uh, people can think of and uh, that are enabling human rights abuses, again, with commercial spyware. Um, I can at least right. think of two or three. So it's not a targeted ban or targeted um, policy against TikTok, but it's a general good policy to have. And I do I do tend to agree with that. Very, very interesting. Well, it's a continuingly uh, unfolding story. Uh, Mike and Hugo, thank you so much. We'll be back in May. So let's uh, please look at what happens in April in the world of data privacy. Thank you very much for joining us. And as always, I will close by reminding us all, protecting your personal privacy begins with you.